people actually do appreciate a different culture and experiencing a different culture. And once once they understand why they do what they do, they want to be part of that. John, what's up? Happy summer. Happy fall. Oh, gosh, no. It's the end. <laughs> the best time in Chicago is summer. I know. Though the fall's been, it's been pretty nice lately, fall, too. Yeah. Walking around. I went, I went on a 11-mile walk jog. Wow. Last week. All the way down Lakeshore or something? Pretty, That's pretty much, far, man. Yeah. Was, well, I started in my neighborhood, and I went all the way around my neighborhood, and then was on yeah. Lakeshore, like, towards the end of it. But, um, yeah, a few miles in, I just wow. decided to keep going, but I didn't want to keep running, so I just started walking. And yep. It was incredible, actually. And then take the bus home or something? No, I just I came all the way back, did a big loop. Wow. All the way down to Ridley. That's stronger Bay. than... I Last week, I watched a 5K from the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been right, running it. Um, but, John, I've got a question for you. Is mm. there... You know, there's so many different physical expressions in totally. worship. And I feel like a very typical one that you see at church is, you know, clapping hands. Although sometimes you can only really get people to clap for like the first 10 seconds. Totally. And then it just dies down. But like raising hands is like a very obvious, like yeah. classic, the classic worship move. Yeah. Are there any others that like maybe you don't think are practiced very much that you think are really useful and helpful in like a posture of worship? Definitely. Something I will say though about the, the worship moves, do you ever notice sometimes that with popular worship leaders, certain new moves catch on? Like, yeah. With hands. Yeah. There's, there's like the yeah the females where they put their hand out in front and they just kind of like... They start spinning. Yeah. Like they're kind of like rolling yarn. Yes. Oh, it's just so it's so wild. I've always wondered how those things catch on. and Oh, they're like bowing, like running forward and then running back with and having your hands like swoop back. Right. Sometimes it feels mildly exhibitionist to me, but... So positive ones. Yeah, right. Bowing. Speaking of bowing, I actually think yeah. bowing... I think bowing is quite powerful and kneeling. It's, it's you know, definitely one of the oldest practices that we have, but I found it to be quite helpful in my own personal spiritual practice. Right. I think it's good to do things that pull us out of our comfort zones. And this interview that we have today is with a guy we both know, good friend TK. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's really passionate about the whole topic of multicultural yeah. worship. And this is something that makes a lot of churches uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, they want to do it, but they feel uncomfortable about it. Totally. So let's dive into this interview, and then I would love to just hear some of your thoughts about what TK and I talk about. Perfect. So TK, Ayanda. Hey, yo, you got it right, Matt. <laughs> I got it. Bro, we go back. Yeah. Uh, you know, we both lead worship at a church here in Chicago. Yeah. You're a local worship leader, songwriter, Yep. Um, super passionate about just connecting with worship leaders. That was like the main thing I noticed about you is that you're just, you're very relational and you're very connected with a lot of worship leaders here in the city and all over the place. Yep. And you and I have gotten to talking about <laughs> multicultural worship. And that's exactly what I want to dive into today. First of all, just give us an idea of like, <laughs> what are you seeing is happening in the church today? So the buzzword is multicultural. Right. And what does that even mean? So maybe let's just start there. Okay, let's say let's just talk about what it's not. Okay, multicultural worship is not just because you have a diverse congregation, and that's a misconception we have in the church today. Just because okay, your congregation is predominantly black and you have three white people, or oh, we're multicultural, or the other way around, 
It's predominantly a white congregation with three black people, and now we're saying we're multicultural. No, <laughs> you have a diverse congregation. That's what multicultural isn't. isn't not. Is not. But what it is, is when, if you have two or more cultures, and it can be just the same ethnicity. So there's Midwest, and if you're white Midwest, there's probably you from Ohio and Chicago. There's <laughs> two different cultures already happening. Yeah. What it means is when we start to plan the church's activities, the, the worship service, the liturgy of the service, those different people groups have a say at the table and then also are able to lead those various things within like the service. From the stage. Yes, or wherever. That from. would be a multicultural that worship service. That becomes multicultural service because the different cultures are being expressed. Right. What's fundamental is that it's biblically based. So the way we look at culture as a believer is it has the Bible is the first lens and then our culture. What's starting to happen in some instances is we're putting culture first before the Bible, biblical lens, and that's where things get skewed because that's where the arguments start. Oh, my culture is this, my culture is that. No, what does the Bible say about what your culture is doing that glorifies him? And if that is substantiated by the word of God, then your cultural practice can then be applied to our church gathering. So how does that practically look like? Yeah, right. Because I feel like there's a lot of churches who are like, oh yeah, we want to be multicultural. So what they say is, all right, we got to hire a black uh, worship leader. Yes, yes. And does that make you multicultural just because you have a black person up no, on stage it leading? No, it doesn't. It's an innocent, great ambition, but it doesn't address a couple of things. One, when we talk about multicultural, you also need to address, is there a history with those cultures? And is it good or bad? Does there need to be forgiveness? So in the context of, let's just talk about America, there's slavery and Jim Crow and all these conversations. Have those things been addressed if those two cultures still have that baggage? So you need to work through forgiveness because multiculturalism requires unity in the body. It means that any baggage, any unforgiveness, any hurts need to be worked through so that then everyone has an equal footing at the table. So you have to address slavery if it hasn't been addressed within the local congregation. Any other baggage any other hurts, history, or past needs to be worked through biblically, forgiveness, whatever the case may be. And then you take the next step practically to say, okay, we have another culture in our congregation. Do they also sense and feel they have a role to play in your congregational gathering? If they sense they do, ask that group represented to say, okay, what do you do you bring to the table that you feel will help the body glorify God from your cultural perspective? biblically grounded. Then it's working through it biblically and scripturally so it edifies the whole body and then applying it. And sometimes it means a representative from that people group culturally will have to lead it. Interesting. Because right. then it has the deeper meaning as well culturally. But also biblically, we know it's already biblically grounded. So right. theologically, we're not arg having that argument. So does it have any sort of effect if let's just say the person not from that culture is leading it? You know what I mean? Saying like, yeah, let's just yeah. say like I got up there and started singing like, you know, old African, you know, hymns and stuff. Does it have a lesser impact? If you have taken the time to research, get to know the people from that background and actually have their approval to do it, it helps. If there's no one in that congregation who can, who you can go back to, but there's your community of believers outside of that local congregation. And they're like, these are things you need to avoid. These are things you need to do, then you can apply it. So we're talking about relationship there. Relationship is critical. Let's just divert a little. Yoga. 
Yeah. Everyone loves yoga. Right. But yoga is a spiritual meditation from India. Right. So there's extra spiritual ramifications. Yes, people argue when we need to separate it. But if you ask someone from that culture, they will tell you there's a deeper meaning to each action. To each uh, move? Action of, yeah, in yoga. So hence... Like, it's, it's downward dog and like... All that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's a spiritual attachment to everything that you do in yoga. Interesting. So that's a conversation that believers need to ask people from that cultural context. Okay, everyone wants to do yoga and all these moves. Does it need to be redeemed? That's a bigger theological conversation. But just off the top of your head, oh, I want to do yoga because it helps me relax, it stretches my muscles. Great. But do you know the spiritual ramifications of that? We apply that to multicultural. If we don't know the background of certain things, we actually may be doing something that's actually against what God is intending, and that culture understands the reason why they do what they do. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so let's just break this down. We yeah. can have a church that's diverse, yeah. that's not multicultural. Yes. Can we have a church that's multicultural and not diverse? Yes, because it depends how we define diverse. It can be along ethnic lines, um, and if it's along, generally it's along ethnic, ethnic lines. As I said, let's take the Midwest where we are. You can have different cultural practices within a people group. Someone from Ohio does something differently to someone from Chicago. Yeah. And we'll just say, let's say a white church. Let's just use that for an example. They do things differently, say things differently, view things differently because of the cultural position and their geographical location. You can still be multicultural because those different cultures can yep. work together to fulfill the same objective, but still not be diverse. So tell me this. Let's just say you have a church that's diverse. Yep. Why is it important to even be multicultural? Because I can imagine that some worship leaders are listening to this thinking, you know, we definitely want to be multicultural, but it sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) And like, what's the importance of it? One, I think, and I think it's something for us to think about as people who are creative. God is so big that he can create so many cultures to have a different viewpoint of who he is and to be expressed and worshipped in different ways. And that's a blessing for all of us. So your viewpoint culturally of God is something I may not know or see. My viewpoint of God is something you may not have experienced. But when we sit around this exact same table, God reveals more of himself to us. And that requires us as worshipers to respond to who God is. So anything multicultural reveals more about who God is um, through various experiences that we probably have never experienced. That's the first thing. The second thing is, as leaders, we're here to serve the body. And that's collective. So my comfort zone, my preference, is not what leadership is about. It's about, in our case, glorifying God and then serving the greater community of the local congregation. And if I have someone who's Spanish-speaking in my congregation, maybe I need to learn a little Spanish, or change a song or translate it. Part of it. So we'll sing some of it in Spanish, some of it in English. Yeah. So that part of the congregation is better served. I'm not for one to separate congregations. It's easier, yes, or we'll have a Spanish-speaking service. But in, a, in one way, you're actually segregating your own local co- congregation. Instead of challenging us as leaders and our local congregation to say, actually, we're one body, and it will take work. But when you get to heaven for eternity, you're going to have to live with that. That's that's the reality of the conversation. But also, people actually do appreciate a different culture 
and experiencing a different culture. Yeah. And once once they understand why yeah. they do what they do, they want to be part of that, especially this younger generation as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I can't believe I even forgot this, but I was on staff at a church probably, I don't know, over 10 years ago. Yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah. And I just remembered that it was an initiative. There were a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking people at this church. Yeah. And we always just played the same songs, you know, in English. And one time the pastor was like, okay, for the next like year, yeah, once a month <laughs> in your worship set, you have to do one song translated in Spanish. So we would sing like three worship songs and then we'd get to like the fourth song and it would be a, you know, open the eyes of my heart or something yeah. in Spanish. And everybody, and we put the words up on the screen and like, you know, the people who spoke Spanish were loving it. But I think also the people who spoke English were loving it because they, just what you said, they appreciate. Yeah another culture they appreciate you know hearing worship in another language and and that's a beautiful thing it's just this is more revelation of who god is through different cultures we see that in creation but also we 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 miss it in just the different cultures that god puts in front of us and i think sometimes as leaders we i know there's so much is expected of us but also at the same time we're trying to find the easiest route out of all of this hard work of getting into the weeds of getting to know people and Part of leading congregational worship is people. We need to know where people are at. We need to know the people that we're serving right. and leading. And it comes with that. I need to learn something sometimes out of music yeah, to better serve the people I'm leading. And acknowledging that every person is not the same. Yeah. People so, are coming from all sorts of backgrounds. So even going back to, let's just talk Luke community and the gospel track that you, yeah. you also do. You see, you're now housing gospel and CCM in the same space. That's what it's about. Right. You're serving the church, and this church is so diverse, and you also do Spanish as well, Espanol. That's what this would literally are. Right. You're leading worship to this wide demographic, different cultures, and it means that as someone who's serving, I may have to learn different genres in my congregation. I, ha- I may have to learn half of a song or a full song in Spanish. And there are men and women who are doing that, who are bilingual. You don't have to be fluent in the second language, but learn certain things that you know that will connect with your yeah. local congregation. And just for clarity, are you saying that it is best if you can find someone who, who could lead those elements that are from that culture? Both. Okay. If there's no one who has the capacity to, then learn it. Yeah. And the same way someone has to learn a different genre of music. Yeah. It's to say, I would say that learn the, 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 the culture, get to know why people do what they do, get, eat the food. Yeah. So that when you when we do what we do and we, we shift in a different culture in our congregational singing, you understand why. And then you can better explain to the local congregation, well, the reason why we're doing this is because of this, 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 this. Right. And it helps them. Right. Yeah, this is a, I feel like this is an interesting <laughs> subject because I do think that a lot of churches are wanting to do this. But the easy way to do it yep. is just to be like, all right, we're going to hire a worship leader that doesn't look like us. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, done. You know, and they put them up on the stage and it's like, yeah, look at us. Like, we're multicultural. Sure. But they're still singing like a Hillsong Talk, song. Yeah. And I, I, I think that it just has to be taken another step. I'm wondering if you can just help. Maybe let's just talk about just some practical things. Like, yeah. give us an idea of, well, first, talk, first, let's talk about where have you seen a multicultural church, someone that's, a church that's been trying to be multicultural that's maybe not doing it well. And then I want to hear how you, <laughs> how you hear it, them doing it right. So one of the churches that, um, you, know, you and I have had this conversation that we've been able to serve in in some capacities in different ways, um, monocultural. And there are different um, cultures in, the, in this congregation. 
the easiest thing, as I said, we either hire someone and people call it token or we split the service. People call it what? Token. So have someone of a different ethnicity, okay. we call them a token person. Oh, okay. yeah, they, they know that culture. They all come sprinkle a little. Right. But as leaders, are we willing? So the church leadership needs to be open yeah. to being multicultural practically, not just, oh, this is the buzzword. The second thing is, as leaders in terms of music, are we willing to pick up different genres and learn the different cultures in our local congregation? And, and that's that, the hard one, because I don't know if many churches are really willing to go that far. Yeah, because the easiest thing <laughs> is, I do what I'm comfortable with, yeah. and everyone adjusts. So in a lot of ways, we then create a product. We create a service that's cookie-cutter, that we can have multi-campuses, and we copy-paste, copy-paste, and anyone who walks through the door has to adjust. Wow. That's always is right. the case. This is what we do. This is what we do. So you need to shift right. to meet us. And if you don't of, like it, then go somewhere, somewhere else. else. But that's not what the church should be. That's not biblically. I don't see that. We serve each other. That's the biblical model. So anyone who walks in, we're not changing our theology or the Bible and everything to suit people, but we're changing how we serve people. So they get a greater understanding of who God is. The third thing is also we need to think about what we do. Um, every day on a Sunday morning. Is some of the things we do offensive to another culture? Ooh, Those are things we, need to, we ask ourselves. We have people who walk into our services. Yeah. We need to sit down and have frank conversations with them to say, is God being revealed? Are you able to glorify God in, in the things that we do? If not, why? One of the most painful things as leaders is actually put out a survey in a local congregation because we make ourselves so vulnerable to critique. Everyone has something to say now in the church. But that's some of the best information or data to collect because we now start to understand where our local congregation is. A couple of years ago, my church, one of my churches I served at um, back home in Africa, we, we put out a survey. And then we had a meeting about the survey. And it was painful in some instances, but it was eye-opening because the church was multiracial, multilingual, multigenerational, socioeconomically diverse. So anything you can think of in this congregation and three languages as well, and every morning, Monday morning after the <laughs> worship service, would get emails. Oh, we sang this song too many times. Oh, we didn't sing it enough. It was too loud. It was too quiet. We didn't sing it in this language. We, yeah, all of these complaints. But what it made us do, it made us better serving our people because we started to understand more about who we are serving and the different angles and views that the congregation was seeing that we weren't seeing. Because our congregation was like six, seven hundred people. The leadership five, six, seven people. We have blind spots. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. We have so many blind spots and they're seeing the blind spots. Yeah. So if we're getting feedback, we are then as leaders growing yeah. in, in, in leading more effectively. Yeah. And that, that's, it's so important to do that. Well, so here's a curveball at you. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any blind spot that maybe a worship leader, that a typical worship leader in a white church is not seeing that maybe is something that's offensive? Um, I think... I wouldn't say offensive, but demeaning in some ways that creativity is a good thing if it's not distracting. And a lot of what, what we, we're doing, we, um, we play cookie-cutter songs like a CD. Great. It's the easiest thing to do. But a lot of people from outside, the say CCM or white evangelical church, they use different chord charts, chord progressions, although color a song musically. Right. And for them... That's just part of their upbringing, music in that culture. Yeah. In a lot of ways, 
I think we need to understand that actually people want more than what you just typically play. Because if you're going to play it exactly like the CD, I can play the CD in my car at home mm -hmm. and I don't need to. Yes, it helps collectively we know what we're singing, but in certain cultures, be able to express more. Yeah, they play it. Play the song. Like, emphasize on yes. that. It's it not just playing the song. Yeah. It's like, like I don't even know how to explain <laughs> it, but it is. It's like playing the song maybe for 10 minutes. Yep. <laughs> maybe going back into another verse, maybe making up a new chorus. Yes. Or doing like, you know, shout bumps and dance breaks. Yes. And it is, like it's playing it. Play the song. Let let people, give the people a space to to engage and worship the Lord. You know, it's more than just being a song leader. You become a congregational worship leader. Two different things. Because there's so many people who can lead a song, but are not a lead congregational worship. Yeah. Yeah. And the tragedy is we're getting more song leaders yep. and not congregational worship leaders. I do feel like we're losing that. We're just getting into this where we just play through songs like a playlist. Yeah. Like it's some iTunes playlist. Yeah. Next, next, next. And when I first started leading worship, I mean, I wasn't in a really multicultural yeah. church yeah. at all, but I remember us playing songs. Like we just worshiped. And we, it would be spontaneous sometimes. It would, we would do a song that wasn't planned. planned. And that was <laughs> really expressive. Yes. It was way, really expressive. And then there are different cultures yeah. who are like that. Yeah. And, and it's being open to that. Yeah. And also the second thing that I think is offensive is thinking that my culture is the culture. Hmm. My culture is a head and shoulders above every other culture and everyone needs to conform. In a lot of ways, Western theology and just the Western mindset actually communicates that. And It's not just in the church, in business and whatever it is. And sometimes being second actually is best for everyone in that, in that moment when it's multicultural. Hmm. Letting another culture step forward and actually drive the bus for the next block right. or the next 16 blocks right? and be okay with just being a passenger. So a lot of the world, everyone is starting to play. Most of the world plays what's, what the American church plays, but a lot of the churches outside of America are starting to write their own music, record, share. And, and that's beautiful because that's the collective body of the church, but it's also giving those people that space. Right. So practically, what are some ways that multicultural churches are getting it right? Okay. So one, creatively. Man, the, the music that's coming out of multicultural churches, is like there are three or four genres colliding. Yeah. And so it's so creative. And people are bound by um, the formula of how to write a CCM song. So you're getting black gospel and CCM colliding. Perfect examples, guys like Travis Green, Todd Delaney. So Todd Delaney, he's in the world of black gospel CCM, but he's traveling to Africa. So he's picking up a lot of African styles of music, and I've been able to interact with some of his musicians. And they're coming back and like, man, I want to learn more about what, what's happening in Africa. There's more creativity. The second thing is you serve better. The more different groups of people you interact with, the more sensitive you are to the people that you serve. Because a lot of times when we serve monoculturally, we sometimes get lethargic and lazy and insensitive. <laughs> Hmm. But when I'm when I know I have to be sensitive to another culture, I'm on my toes. Yeah. Means that I'm trying to match up two different cultures. So I'm more sensitive. So that's the second practical thing, is that you're more sensitive to people. So this creative creativity musically, sensitivity. And the th third thing is your theology gets challenged. And how I view God. You need to spend more time in, in the word of God because you have two different cultures who view sometimes God differently. I need to know biblically what is going on. So when I sit down with these different cultures, different to mine, 
I have biblical basis of a conversation or when I'm leading or I'm writing a song or I'm leading a song for prayer life. Because this, this, this can't happen without the Holy Spirit leading two different groups or three or four cultures. You need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I think the fifth thing, and I think one of the critical things is humility. Humility is key to bring the unity that's needed. Hmm. Um, so that's not, it's not just about, oh, token or diverse. It's actually about unity in multicultural. And multicultural yeah. so many... But actually, when the Holy Spirit brings it all together, it's one voice, one heart, one spirit, one sound, wow. one worship song. Yeah. So for a worship leader listening who wants to take this journey, mm-hmm. what's like their next step to getting into a multicultural worship? <laughs> like, what's the beginner baby step into this? Find out who's in their local congregation mm. and spend time. Relationship. Relationship. It all comes back to community. It's, that's what it is. It's all about community. Who's in my community? And once I understand the community, the tools out there that I now need to bring in to better serve that community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Man, <laughs> we could probably talk about this for another hour. <laughs> There's so much in here. And I think what you said is very important that I do think that we can get kind of lazy. Yeah. When we just put it on cruise control and do what we did last Sunday and almost not even really think a little harder, just one more step further of like, who are we? Who yep. are we actually leading? in yep. the service and i think this is good man this is a good encouragement this is <laughs> a lot of stuff to think about and um how can worship leaders maybe contact you or find out more if they're interested um so website it's um the akmusic.com all right and just reach out and i love having these conversations i'm having bigger conversations with a couple other people and it's kind of where the, the church is going the more and more you look into our local congregations now it's more diverse yeah, it is. You and hear it in worship music too that's coming out, like yeah. the Elevation Collective and yeah. Matt Redman's last yes. album had definitely some just crossover gospel yeah. influence in it. Tasha Cobbs. Talk, her, yeah. yeah, a passion. So there's all these crossovers. We need to be having conversations. Right. Bigger conversations. What I hope is that it doesn't just become a fad where then we get lazy at that. Yes. Or just a whole other genre is created. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, no, that's very true. And then we're and then we're still not really paying attention to the, all the cultures in our church. Because <laughs> it's also not just gospel. It's every, it's you know what a, I mean? Like yeah. what, what about Polish? What about Romanian? What about Spanish? It's across the board. And, and I think the diversity or, or we're diverse or we're multicultural is the fad. But actually now it's getting into the weeds of what that actually practically looks like mm. and how it works. That I think is, if people are really serious about it, it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard work. But I think that's for the local church. That's right. It's always good talking to you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. Oh, I love TK. He's such a delightful guy. So this is an interesting topic for me. My dad is a Hispanic pastor, and he has been my whole life. And when I was 12 years old, we were living in Houston, Texas, and you get a call from Wheaton Bible Church up here in the west suburbs of Chicago. They were like, we need someone to start a Hispanic church. And so... 1998, my family packed up from Texas and moved up to the suburbs of Wheaton. My dad was there for 20 years and planted the Hispanic church at Wheaton Bible Church. And um, his whole vision for that kind of multicultural congregation in a predominantly white church was one body, two arms. And I love, I love that concept because it both nods to the unity 
and it nods to the the differences. One church is going to specialize in maybe ministering to one congregation, and then the other service is going to specialize. You know, they they shared a building, they shared resources, they shared a youth group, they shared. Hmm. And he's actually doing that again at High Point Church out in um, Naperville. But what I did notice about that is, which is so tricky, it's like when when churches try to combine at least like elements of a worship service, the minority congregation is usually the one that ends up losing most of their culture and honoring the, the majority culture, which you'd think, well, that kind of makes sense because it's like there's more people, so we should do more of that style or whatever. But kind of like he was saying, you wonder what it would be like if it really was like a, if there was like more of a mixture, if there was some kind of like third culture mm. But it's just hard. You've never, I've never seen that personally. Yeah, me either. Um, I've never personally enjoyed the, you know, pulling in different languages. It feels more of like a, I don't know. Honestly, during this conversation, I was kind of like, no, that prob- that's probably good. Like, we need to be figuring this out because our world is becoming more, or at least the United States is becoming more multicultural right. by the year. I mean, it's right. like, it's just the census. And yeah, I mean, I... It's powerful. It's just one of those things that's just so hard. Even my dad being a Hispanic pastor, I am Hispanic. I'm first generation, but my culture is not that. Like my culture is, I grew up here. And even with parents who were bilingual, I still feel very like monochromatic culturally. Yeah, right. But what do you think? It is such a challenging thing. And I don't think I've ever seen it done super well. Yeah. Uh, Usually it is just more of a nod. Like, hey, let's just sing a Spanish verse. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think people who don't know Spanish, they still really enjoy that moment. Right. Like I was actually even thinking about, we have a small group that I'm in and one of the guys doesn't even speak English, like hardly at all. Mm -hmm. And what's cool though, is that like we, when we go around in a circle and pray for like, pray for the person on your left, he ends up praying for someone just in Spanish and no one knows what he's saying, but you actually feel very like still like, I don't Mm. know, there's something still very like encouraging and like, yeah, yeah beautiful about it because you just know that it's like i don't need to know what he's saying yeah that's, i know yeah. that he's like talking to god like on my behalf in a way uh-huh you know and so that's cool and i think people do experience that when you maybe do throw in like a spanish song yeah but i do feel like it's a very hard thing to do unless the whole service is really like co-led right. Like right the whole thing would have to be totally co-led right right and i think about like that story of like churches maybe sharing buildings where there's like oh yeah there's a spanish service that meets here thursday nights yeah and then there's a Romanian service that meets here Friday nights. Right. I think that's really cool. Yeah. We were in Africa last year and visiting our friends who who live and work down there in like rural Africa, in Uganda. And we went to church with them and it was amazingly beautiful. And it was amazingly them. It was amazingly this little village. This is what this village does to worship God on Sunday. And I love how it was just such a strong, Mm -hmm. it was just like concentrated culture. There yeah. was nothing watered down about it. But it seems like the moment you start having people combine things, it's yeah. like that, that concentration loses. But, oh, yeah, but then maybe you point. gain what you lose. I don't... Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because, yeah, well, now we're just kind of wondering out loud. Paul Simon had that Graceland album from the 1980s. He went down to Africa and worked with this band down there. It was a beautiful, legendary album. It's like Paul Simon backed up by this African band. It was amazing. It's like, is there a corollary in yeah. church world stuff? Yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting because one of the things that makes it so beautiful is that it's different. And I wonder mm-hmm. if like, if you, you know, like that service in Africa that you went to. Yeah. Like it was really beautiful to you, probably because it was just so different. I bet if you like did that every single week for the next 20 years. Yeah. The beauty of it might start wearing off. Yeah. You wonder. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. So maybe it's just like finding a way to somehow remind people that like there are other cultures 
right. than just us, especially in the and, and in the kingdom of God. I loved what he talked about how like multicultural like shows just a bigger expression of like who God is. Yeah, that's Because right. he's created so many. Yeah. And we kind of forget that. Like we kind of just think about ourselves. And you wonder if it could even then function culturally as like a way to teach Christians and help train the believers in living in a world that is becoming more diverse. Because then it's not suddenly so surprising. If they go to church yeah. and they see and hear and experience, yeah. maybe that'll make them more um, likely to be empathetic with their culturally diverse right. non-Christian neighbor or something. Right. So I think there's probably could be good discipleship reasons to maybe do that too. But man, TK, he's thought about this so much. It's an amazing conversation. He is a guy that like, for some reason, whenever I'm around him, he he can make me laugh like constantly. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah. like, there's just like, he's a joyful this like dude, fun, sure. joyful spirit. Yeah. And it's contagious. So, and I love his heart for this kind of stuff. And I just think it's, this is all just a really good reminder because I don't think there's a super easy answer. It's a good thing to be mindful of. Yeah. As you got to start somewhere and yeah. might as well start by thinking about it and talking about it. Thanks for joining us on the Loop Kennedy podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.